Thank you for listening to this Podcast One Sportsnet production. Available on Apple Podcasts and Podcast One. Do you own or rent your home? Sure you do. And I bet it can be hard work. You know what's easy? Bundling policies with GEICO. GEICO makes it easy to bundle your homeowner's or renter's insurance along with your auto policy. It's a good thing, too, because you already have so much to do around your home. Go to GEICO.com, get a quote, and see how much you can save. It's GEICO easy. Visit GEICO.com today. That's GEICO.com. Once again, it's GEICO easy. Visit GEICO.com today. GEICO.com. Broadcasting from the Mercedes-Benz, this is Dan Patrick. Final hour on this Wednesday, Dan and the Danettes. Dan Patrick's show. Paulie just informed me that his boyfriend, J.J. Watt, is going to be hosting Saturday Night Live. That'll be the Saturday before the Super Bowl, so he won't be able to join us in Miami. Is that right, Paulie? Um, I don't know for sure that he won't be in Miami at some point, but he and Luke Combs, the country singer, oh. will be hosting SNL. Yeah, so J.J. Watt is going to he'll do Saturday Night Live. Well, he won't be able to be in Miami because they, they keep you all week when you're guest hosting there. He will uh, – Saturday Night Live for J.J. Watt. You know, he did a nice job uh, in that movie Bad Moms. He was the soccer coach. Yeah, yeah, yeah he was. He was good in that. a short role, but small role, but good. Uh, Mario just sent me this. The baseball commissioner, Rob Manfred, said on Fox Business that baseball is going to see the use of so-called robot umpires – during spring training. It's coming, folks. I don't know when, but it's coming to Major League Baseball. It is. Now you got the NFL, and they're toying with the onside kick in the Pro Bowl. You still have to have the onside kick there. You know, just that element, the illusion of it, I should say. You know, they're doing their best to get rid of the kickoff in general. But now they're talking about if you're uh, – going to do this, and I think this is where you get an additional play from your own 25-yard line. Instead of the onside kick, yes, McLovin. Yeah, fourth and 15. But I don't understand, Dan. One thing about this, what if you just get, like, a legal hands to the face for pass interference? <laughs> That's going to ruin that play because a fourth and 15 play, there's a good chance that someone will interfere. Yeah. I. Do we need this? Well, they're trying to get kickoffs out. I know, but do we need this? You can still have an onside kick. You're going to have a kickoff. Uh, what, how, what's the percentage of returns in the NFL? Yeah, Paul. The onside kick, it, it, back in the day when you could run up, the players on the onside kick team could run up, it was about 12% of the time they recovered. Now it's down to 4%. Yes. Yeah, the fact that the governing body of football is actively trying to remove as much as possible the use of the foot in the game <laughs> is my favorite part. Get rid of kickers. Um, the NFL is uh, bringing the draft to Las Vegas. Okay. I figured that. It's going to be April 23rd through the 25th. It's going to be on the Las Vegas Strip. Now, the NFL did a great job. Well, the cities did a great job. Philadelphia and Nashville did a wonderful job. And now we're going to take it to Las Vegas. Now, I guess there's Caesars Palace and Bellagio. And the main stage will be constructed starting at the beginning of April next to Caesars. And then there's a viewing zone. And then apparently there's going to be water involved in this where the draft picks are taken by boat up to the stage, to the main stage. Porsche, to the main stage. Cinnamon, to the main stage. 
they're going to close down the strip, I believe, I believe during the draft. And uh, they're going to – I don't know what kind of boat they're using. Have we, have we seen – is it a gondola? Is it <laughs> – Oh, man. Yeah. Like, what could go wrong? And then I immediately started to think, which draft pick is most likely to jump in or fall in? Gronk would be the first guy you would think of if he was being drafted. But he wasn't a first-round draft pick. But, you know, you start to think, you, you know, one of the Kelsey brothers, they would be guys who would go man overboard. Are you going to be worried about the players showing up for the draft after spending two or three days unencumbered in Vegas, in Vegas at 21 years old after you just signed a deal with an agent? Mm. Do we have any more details on this boat? And is, and, and is it the Bellagio Fountain where they're going to be? Yes, the Fountains of Bellagio. And they have a picture of a boat, but I don't think it's just a normal-looking boat. I I don't know if this is the actual boat they're going to use. Yes. The NFL having their draft on a boat in the middle of the desert, it's some water <laughs> thing. It's like peak. I don't even know what, but it just uh, cracks me up. Yeah. I thought Philadelphia was phenomenal. Philly did. Philly, it felt like a musical. And that was like Bonnaroo. Like it, as, as, in terms of a TV show, I thought that was so awesome. Yeah, I thought they did a wonderful job. And Nashville was cool, too, because it was downtown and – it just looked great. They'd filled it in and had backdrop to it. Yeah. And uh, now it's, it's Vegas. Yeah, Paul. Just going to say the Spearmint Rhino better uh, Whoa. bring in some extra talent for the weekend. Whoa. Whoa. Spearmint <laughs> Rhino. It's going to be a busy weekend. Yeah. Spearmint Rhino. What people out there. Did you guys go with me when I went with Jason Giambi to Spearmint Rhino? No. Okay. How about this? I'm with – and Spearmint Rhino is a, a gentleman's club. And uh, – I'm with I'm with Giambi and his wife. I don't know if they were married yet, but uh, we went to the Spearmint Rhino, and I went with Vern Troyer as well. Of course. So it's it's me, Vern Troyer, and Jason Giambi and his fiance or wife. Did he get to pay half the cover? <laughs> Whoa! No, I'm sorry. Too soon. Oh. And uh, it was one of those where you kind of look around and you go, "What am I doing here?" I mean, it took me a little while before I said that, but, you know, I eventually said, uh, I think I got to go here. I think I was out for the ESPYs. I think I was out for the ESPYs. And, uh, and I remember Giambi's brother, Jeremy, was also in tow, and he had a mink coat on, and it was in Vegas. He had, a, like, I think a full-length mink coat. But I, I will say Vern Troyer was very popular at Spearmint Rhino. Very popular. Very all righty, as we move on, welcome to the program. Check in with the uh, Pelicans. I was doing some research on the Pelicans, um, and I found out some uh, things on my Pelicans. They started the season 6-22. and 22. At one point, they lost 13 games in a row. But that was a long time ago because the Pelicans have won 11 of their last 16. They ended Memphis's seven-game winning streak. Uh, they ended Utah's 10-game winning streak. And you got some players who are playing really well. Brandon Ingram's playing well. Lonzo Ball playing well. Drew Holiday playing well. And all of a sudden, my Pelicans got a chance to make the playoffs, I would think, with Zion coming back. Here is Zion Williamson on making his debut tonight. Honestly, I don't know if I'm going to get sleeping. I'll be too excited thinking about my first NBA game. All right. He's going to be excited. 
I don't know if he can pace himself, but Alvin Gentry, his coach, is going to have to pace him as he comes back. And the fact that he's coming back, because I wondered, in fact, Reggie Miller and I both wondered, why would you bring him back? But they are in the playoff mix here. He's going to be a big draw for them, and they still lack inside presence. Uh, and, you know, do you have enough three-point shooters there? But they're, they're a fun team to watch. They are. I, I enjoyed it. Seaton was skeptical that I was going to be excited to see Drew Holiday and Lonzo Ball and, I, and J.J. Redick. I said, but I am. I, I wanted to see Lonzo Ball play and get out of his shadow, dad's shadow. And, and if you look at the numbers with Lonzo Ball in the last month, I think he's like 17, 7, and 7. And he's, he's shooting a respectable, he might be like 36%, 37% from three-point range. Yeah, Paul. Yeah, Lonzo Ball is, uh, he's averaging 12 and 7, 12 and 6 and 6. He's averaging 30 minutes a game. But the last month, he's been playing at a different level. He's been he's been playing really well. Yeah, I think seventeen seven. I'll take seventeen seven and seven. His free throw percentage is up from forty one percent last year, worst in the entire league. Yeah, to fifty two percent this yes. year. Okay, he's got to get to sixty sixty five if you're going to have the ball that much. He's on pace to do that in twenty twenty two. Okay, I'll wait. <laughs> you got time? Yeah, I got time for my Pelicans. I got Zion on that rookie deal. Uh, the other uh, big headline was uh, Kansas State and Kansas uh, with that bench-clearing brawl. And the question is, you know, what happens? You know, who disciplines here? This, this is Kansas that disciplines. Does the NCAA discipline? I was just wondering that. I think actually the Big 12 would do this. Big 12 will do it. Yeah, NCAA violations are like more technical violations. This type of discipline, if the teams don't do it themselves, the Big 12 will jump in. Okay. That's what I read. Okay. Because I wonder if Bill Self says... I'll do, you know, sometimes you do that self-imposed, but this might be the Big 12 saying, no, no, we got this one here. We got it. Ben in Arkansas joins us. Hi, Ben. What do you have for me today? Hey, Dan. Uh, 62250. Um, I wanted to say thank you to McLovin and Polly. I got to meet them at Pebble Beach this year, or last year, and they were the nicest people ever. Oh, great. Are you sure it was Polly and McLovin? <laughs> They were they were great. Oh, McLovin, I could McLovin, I would understand, but Paulie was one of the nicest people. It sounded like me. Yeah, Paulie, Paulie was great. Uh, I was wearing a shirt, and McLovin kept pointing it out. And I'm a big fellow like them, but to all the all the wait, 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 I remember you. You're the guy who had the shirt on. <laughs> yes, I do remember you. My bad. Sorry. He had the Pelicans on it, but anyway, Polly is not anybody to mess with. Polly, you're much bigger than you look on TV. You definitely didn't meet me. I'm like six foot one eighty and not intimidating. You, you met somebody else, I think. Sir. But I love their shirt. Broad shoulders, man. Broad shoulders. All right. Well, thank you, Ben. I'm glad that my guys lived up to the billing of being nice guys. I still can't believe that you met you, Polly. I'm neither nice nor well built. Yeah. Matt in Virginia joins us. Matt, what is on your mind today? Hey, I just wanted to comment on the B-side thing. Uh, Maggie May. Uh, uh, the, yes, sir. The B-side to Reason to Believe. And Maggie May uh, went on to become Big uh, Rod Stewart's first number one hit. All right. Well, thank you, Matt. Yeah, we were talking about Larry Walker said he's the B-side to Derek Jeter on the A-side of a 45, if you're old enough to remember a 45. I collected a couple of them, but my first album I ever had, believe it or not, 
My mom and dad got me the Smothers Brothers for Christmas. I bet that was really funny back then, though. It wasn't that funny that day on Christmas because oh. I wanted some music. And I remember they got – because they thought that I wanted to be a, a comedian. Like, I, I wanted to entertain, and they said, oh, well, she, we'll get him the Smothers Brothers. And I went, I want to send some rock and roll. What the, Tom and Dick Smothers, and they were funny. <laughs> But I didn't. I didn't want to listen to that. Yeah, McLovin. Did they become like sort of political, like real rebels? Yeah, they got in trouble for being very left wing. Yeah, like back in the late sixties, early seventies, yeah. that they there was a political lean to their show. Did you ever have comedy albums like uh, Richard Pryor? Or I had Bill guys? Cosby. I had Bill Cosby, and. I don't know. He didn't have "Why Is There Air." Was that the name of a Bill Cosby album? Or it sounds like something David Sedaris would Bill do. Bill Cosby, not himself. That was a big one in the seventies. No, he's he's on like a in a wagon or a. He's he's. Why is there a third album from Bill Cosby? Oh, okay. <laughs> Why is there air? What? I have no idea. Well, it's hard now to appreciate Bill Cosby when he was a big big deal. Back yeah, then. yeah, Paul. I got uh, Steve Martin's album "Let's Get Small" when yeah. I was about eleven years old. Yeah, I I played that through. He's a funny, dude. Um, let me see. What else? Cheech and Chong. Uh, Cheech and Chong had a comedy album, which was had both songs, yeah. Basketball Jones, and a lot of stuff about weed. And when you're 11, that was wild stuff. Yeah, I see. I remember um, Dennis Leary. Yeah. Uh, no Cure for Cancer. Isn't that where he does he have the Lou Gehrig joke on there, too? And he's yeah. smoking. Yeah. I remember that being a big deal. But, you know, I, see, I had an older brother, and I shared a room with him for many many years yeah and so i kind of my music was his music yeah. you know so whatever he was listening to that's sort of what i had to listen to just based on the fact that we had a room so all of those kinds of things are what i got i didn't share a room with my brother who had all the music but i waited till he left and i went in there and i cranked up that that stereo you know and it, it was a great sound system morantz do you remember morantz receivers and i just remember i Put that thing on. That blue, those blue lights would come on, and then I would just all of a sudden I'd go to ten on the volume. What'd you have on there? I had fog uh, hat. No, I at the time I had uh, Hendrix, the Beatles, and I had Creedence, and there was uh, Pink Floyd, Dark Side of the Moon, and those albums just. It was one of those, once I left home and then I went out and bought albums. Those are the first four albums I bought. I was just, I was so used to them. They were great. I got this list here of the best host, sports-related host in Saturday Night Live history. Because uh, okay. J.J. Watt is going to host uh, February 1st. Deion Sanders uh, was given a grade of F. I don't know who's given these ratings. Michael Phelps, an F+. Plus. Uh, Nancy Kerrigan, a D+. Wayne Gretzky, C. Jeff Gordon, C. George Foreman, C. Joe Montana, B. Minus. Yeah, that's great, that's terribly wrong. What? He was amazing. He broke the. He had two of the funniest skits in the history of the. Yeah, one work. of them was like an inappropriate skit. Yeah, an A minus at least. Well, I like the fact that you had Montana and the Church Lady together. 
But do you remember where he was the roommate who couldn't remember things? They were making fun of his concussions. Oh, no, the roommate who said whatever he was thinking, and he had a, a very dirty joke that was, the best. that was very noteworthy for a long time. Andy Roddick got a B. Um, LeBron James got a B. Opening monologue was a parody of his Nike commercial in which he played various members of his own family critiquing him at home. Lance Armstrong was sixth on the list. He got a B plus. Um, Derek Jeter got a B plus. Derek Jeter's taco hole. Jeter sings about his passion for Mexican cuisine and his restaurant, which happens to be the fifth best Mexican restaurant in all of northern New Jersey. Yeah. The Rock, he got an A minus. Hmm. Charles Barkley is third on the list. He got an A. Tom Brady second. And number one, Peyton Manning. That halftime locker room dance is still wonderful. It's Will Forte can't keep it together. That that's Bill Hader is in that. Remember we had Hader talking about that? And 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 they're both just dying in there. Manning is really talented though. He's 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 very, very funny. Manning's performance as an unfit mentor for a group of children is one of the better Saturday Night Live sketches. It's a digital short United Way. The United Way is yeah. so good. He's smoking the kids with yeah. rockets from four yards away. Yeah. Wham! Yeah. I always thought that that was a take off of one of the ESPN commercials that Kenny Main and Stuart Scott did where we're playing a pickup basketball game, and they're like little kids – Look like they're around six years of age, and Stewart's blocking their shot. And they're celebrating it. Getting like accomplished something. Taunting them. Yeah. I always thought that that skit that Peyton did was a takeoff on that. All right. We'll take a break. We'll check in with my Pelicans, and we'll be back uh, right after this in the Dan Patrick Show. Hey, it's Paulie Paps from the Dan Patrick Show. We've got an awesome podcast to tell you about today. It's the big podcast with Shaq. Of course, it's big. Tune in every week as Shaq and his crew cover sports, entertainment, and a lot more with Shaq. That's the only way the diesel does it. The show is full of laughs and amazing stories. Stay tuned to the end of this episode from a great clip from the big podcast with Shaq. Then be sure to subscribe on Podcast One, Apple Podcasts, and many other podcast listening apps so you don't miss an episode. We showed a video earlier in the program, and it, it's a North Carolina high school. There was a wrestling match, and uh, the two wrestlers going at it. One wrestler picked up the other one and slammed him down, a body slam, and it looked like it could have seriously injured him. There was neck. Uh, or upper back, and all of a sudden they get back, and he gets down on all fours, and they're ready to start wrestling again, and his dad comes out of the stands and blindsides the wrestler who slammed his son. Now, his dad got arrested there. We were wondering, if you're the kid who got slammed and that's your dad, do you like that your dad has your back there, or are you embarrassed that dad came? Because, it, you know, his son gets right back down on all fours, and he's ready to wrestle again. And then dad didn't like how his son was treated, and he comes out of nowhere and boom, nails him. And then I, I would say both benches cleared. It's like the stands cleared, and then there was this back and forth, and uh, dad got arrested. Yeah, Paul. It was a pretty hard slam by the first wrestler, but it wasn't the worst of all time. He would have been DQ'd from the match. He, I think the ref, he signaled his loss of one point. Yeah. That's a normal deduction. But it wasn't the worst slam of all time. He, he didn't be. The dad went berserk. Yeah, too. 
And this is in no way uh, excuses anything that happened. I'm just curious what happened up until that point um, in oh, the wrestling match. Yeah, well, yeah, I don't know. I'm just wondering. I'm trying to find what that father's reasoning is for going to do that because it can't just be that one slam, right? I mean, you have to be pretty worked up as it's a person. It's a bad slam, though. It yeah. is, but there's no way that you're just watching your kid play and then he gets slammed like that and you immediately take off to tackle this other kid. I mean, like you had, there has to be something building up to it. There's no way it's just that one incident. And, and I'm not saying at all that that excuses it. I'm just trying to figure out what in the hell that guy was thinking. Yeah, I don't know if it was a rough match. I don't know where it was in the match. Because I'm glad he got arrested. He absolutely should be arrested and charged with everything he should be, can be. What's that like when you go home? When you're the son and you go home and, and dad's there? And you're trying to teach your high school student about self-control and being responsible? <laughs> That's what you're, trust me, son. That's what I always loved about coaches. Like Bob Knight would, you know, want his players to play with composure, be under control, and he's the one that loses his bleep. Yeah, Paul. What if the dad who hit the kid wrestler, instead of a, a jail sentence or a fine, he has to wrestle the other father? You know, if the other father wants to settle it that way, no holds barred, you know, just, just wrestle or get blindsided from, you know, a little eye for an eye, good entertainment on Tuesday night in North Carolina. Yeah, but what if the guy's dad is some little squeak who had never wrestled before? That guy looks like he probably wrestled before. I would want him to maybe wrestle the kid who body slammed his son. <laughs> that might be the way to go about this, but... Yeah, dad coming out of nowhere. Can you imagine? I don't know where he was seated because usually when you run down those bleachers, you can hear somebody. It just makes a lot of racket, like boom, boom, boom. And you're wondering, man, that guy's got to really go to the bathroom. No, he's going out on the mat to level this kid. Yes, he. Yeah, there, I mean, there's no doubt. We've covered this before, but there's no doubt that parents are ruining kids' sports. Yeah. I mean, that that's pretty clear. I remember umpiring Little League. And I had, I thought it would be fun where you're just there and you're watching kids play baseball. And, and then you realize the parents are the ones that are a buzzkill because they're the ones yelling at you. And then they're cursing at you. And you got like eight year olds running around. And I got, you know, Jimmy Lipper behind. He's, he's saying to me, you're squeezing my son as if my <laughs> strike zone is too small for an eight year old. And I went, Hey, you know, I turned to him and I said, hey, you know, get away from the backstop. He goes, you can't make me. <laughs> you know, and I'm thinking, I'm a high school kid and I'm going, and you're probably right. I probably can't. But I wanted to toss him. And then I thought maybe I toss his son for his dad being a jerk. You're squeezing my son. God, oh, my God. Yeah, Steve. You rarely get parent on child violence, though. No, no, that, that you're right. <laughs> that, that that seems to be that's a, another level up here, um, where it's the parent going after a, a child. Yeah. That, you'll see that too often, loser. Uh, we somehow make this smooth segue into Jeff Duncan, columnist for the Athletic New Orleans. He's never done anything like that. Uh, Jeff, happy Zion Day. How are you going to celebrate? Well, happy Zion Day to you too, Dan. I'll be at the arena tonight uh, with a lot of other people uh, watching this uh, spectacle. How big is uh, this? We're not, well, you know, it's going to be big. It's probably the biggest basketball event I think we've had in New Orleans. You know, I wasn't around when Pete Maravich came back to play in 1974, but I hear from a lot of my older colleagues that that was a huge event. 
But at that time, Pete Maravich was at the end of his career, kind of. He was playing it out. Uh, this, of course, is a totally different dynamic with a superstar of Zion's uh, stature coming to town at the beginning of his career. And, uh, you know, we haven't seen someone like this in the social media age uh, come to New Orleans. So the only thing I can compare it to, to would be maybe Reggie Bush, who was obviously a huge college star in football. Uh, but I think Zion even eclipses him for star power. What are the expectations for him the rest of this season? You know, it's a good question, Dan. I, I think the, the organization has done a good job of trying to temper those expectations on the court, uh, but they're doing so futilely. Uh, fans have certainly um, come out in droves. I haven't seen this kind of excitement over a basketball player ever in the city, and I think people just want to come out. I mean, you know, New Orleans is a big event town. It's it's a it's a party town, as we all know, and Pelicans games have be, you know really been kind of on the back burner as far as the interest level. But people are excited to come out and watch him play. So I think people will be will be satisfied if he's just exciting and brings some enthusiasm to the Pelicans organization. I don't know if people are going to expect him to score 20 points a game. And, and oh, yeah, they are. Game. Yeah, they are, Jeff. <laughs> yeah, well, I, I know some will. You're, you're, no question, Dan. Uh, but I think people will be happy if he is exciting and, and, and brings some energy and enthusiasm to the organization. When you see John Morant playing the way he has played in Memphis, do you think that there's any, and maybe not buyer's remorse, but maybe second thoughts about Zion, as we move forward with this surgery and, you know, know, that size doing what he's going to do, he's a power player? No, I don't. Uh, Everyone here, I think, is over the moon about Zion Williamson. I mean, I think they feel like the basketball gods shined on them again with the odds that were against them. Uh, And I think, look, the organization is doing everything they can to try and uh, make this thing right. I, I know there's been a lot of publicity with uh, you know, how they're working with him with his strength and conditioning. Uh, I think they feel like, Dan, they've got a unicorn here, a physical unicorn, and they're trying to get a grasp on how to go forward with him and, and his unique physical ability. Uh, so some, in some respects, I feel like they might be overthinking it. Let him get out there and play. Mm-hmm. Uh, but um, certainly it's the anticipation and, and, and excitement over him on the court is – is built now. It's been 13 weeks waiting for this debut. When I first saw him, uh, a couple of things stood out. He's wider than I thought, but he is shorter than I thought. He's 6'6", but I wonder about this Pelicans, you know, sort of the the way it's built. I, I love what they did in the offseason. I love the trade that they got. If you weren't keeping Anthony Davis, I, I love getting Lonzo Ball away from his dad. Brandon Ingram is, you know, maybe going to average 25 a game. You got Redick in there and you got Holiday in there. I don't know what Zion adds to the lineup. I know star power and athleticism, but is that enough for them to be the eighth seed in the West, in your opinion? Yeah, I I think so. I think it's wide open. Uh, Now, what does that get you? A a first-round elimination against probably the Lakers, maybe a sweep. But for this organization at this time, as, as, uh, as they are in their rebuilding plan, I think getting that experience with the young roster would be beneficial. And I think that's what they're shooting for. But the NBA can sell hope, right, Dan? I mean, you get eight, you know, you have an eight seed and everyone's alive. I I think it's funny. I walk around town now and everyone's like, well, the Pelicans are only three games out. And I remind them they're also only 
a game and a half out of the basement in the league. But no one looks that way, right? They all look up. You're a buzzkill, uh, Jeff. Come on. <laughs> Duncan Downer. Is what <laughs> He's uh, Jeff Duncan Downer, columnist for The Athletic in New Orleans. Uh, got any Saints drama that you want to update us on? Well, we don't know if Drew Brees is coming back, Dan. I think that's pretty big news. But well, what's your gut feel? I, I fully expect him to come back. I, I, I was talking to actually Brees for an interview last week, and he didn't sound like a guy that's ready to hang it up. You know, he's wired differently than I think a lot of lot of normal people like us are. Uh, he's wired to compete. That's what he does, just like Tom Brady. I think these guys, uh, as long as they're playing at an elite level, and Drew certainly was this season. He was playing as well as I've ever seen him at the end of the year. Um, I think he's going to continue on. I think he looks at this roster, Dan, and says, hey, look, we got Mike Thomas, Alvin Kamara, players, star players in their primes. And, yeah, we came up short in the playoffs, but we were 13-3. and three. We, we could make another run at this thing. And I think he thinks about legacy and his place in the history of the game. And I think winning another Super Bowl would be a big part of that. He wants to come back and give it another run. Well, it's one thing that he wants to come back and the Saints want him as opposed to Brady, who may want to come back, but they don't. it doesn't feel like they want him back, or at least his coach doesn't. Yeah, 100%. I think no one in the organization uh, wants anything more than Drew Brees leading them. I mean, he's such a powerful force in the organization. Everyone in the, in the club is in awe of Drew Brees. And, and the whole offense, the whole team is built around him. It, I think it's much different than a lot of other situations. Uh, you know, if, they, if, they, if and when Drew Brees finally hangs it up, it's going to be a major overhaul, not just on the field, but off the field with everything that he does for the organization. He's basically the face of the franchise. He's a, a senator in, in this city. Uh, it's going to be a big drop-off, even if it is Taysom Hill or Teddy Bridgewater. Well, that was my next question, my last one. Who do you think is the heir apparent, uh, Teddy Bridgewater or Taysom Hill? I really believe it's Taysom Hill. I mean, Sean Payton is in love with Taysom Hill. I mean, he has a man crush on him, Dan, and um, I think everyone in town does, to be honest with you. He, he's such a unique player, and he said before, Sean Payton has said, the heir apparent is in the building, and he means Taysom Hill. I think he's intrigued by the challenge of building an offense around a different kind of quarterback, very similar to, to you know, he's compared him to Steve Young. Steve Young got his really start in his career with the 49ers, and blossom late in his in his career, much like Taysom Hill, who's 30. Um, and I think he sees very, a lot of similarities between that, going from Joe Montana to Steve Young. It would be a very similar transition from Breeze to Taysom Hill. Jeff, have fun tonight. We appreciate your time as always. Thanks for joining us. Sure, Dan. Thanks for having me on. Thanks. Uh, Jeff Duncan, columnist for The Athletic New Orleans. We knew him when he was at the Times Picayune. He's been down there a long time. I understand the hype, and if you're a New Orleans fan, I know it's a, it's a football-crazy town, and it'll always be a football town, but the Pelicans, you know, getting Zion, you got something there. I don't know what else you need to add, but it, they do have – and Ingram Ingram has a chance to – he's averaging, I think, 25 a game right now, like quietly averaging 25 a game. Kyrie Irving and Grant Hill are the only Duke players to finish an NBA season averaging at least 25 points. Brandon Ingram has a chance to uh, do that as well. Kyrie's done it a few times, and uh, Grant did it uh, once. Elton Brand almost did, but uh, Brandon Ingram, 
Averaging right at uh, what, 25, 25 and a half points a game. And, and Reggie Miller brought up something that I, I had not considered and I had not heard. I said, why didn't Ingram last in L.A.? Why, did, why didn't he blossom in L.A.? And he said, he's a small market guy. They're just certain guys that are wired that way to be a small market guy. They like that feel. That's why I thought Kevin Durant was going to be a small market guy. And it felt like he found a home in Oklahoma City. You know, Reggie played in Indiana. He went from L.A. and UCLA to Indiana, but became that small market guy. And just certain players that just feel like they were meant for some of these these cities. And you certainly get that with uh, Brandon Ingram. And Lonzo Ball, you know, that just, there was too much pressure on. There's certain players when they come in, when you get a label. And we're finding this, like Markel Fultz. He just couldn't stay in Philadelphia. It, it just wasn't going to work out. There was too much pressure, too many eyeballs, and just getting out to go to Orlando. And then you're not being followed constantly by the media. You're not being reported on. They're not sneaking video of you uh, and trying to improve your jump shot. And Lonzo just needed to get away from his dad a little bit. And look, his dad, by all accounts, is raising good basketball players. You know, Lamelo's probably going to be, you know, one of the top five picks. Leangelo was a, a good shooter. He wasn't a great player. And Lamelo Ball, or uh, yeah, Lamelo, no, who am I? Uh, Lonzo. Lonzo is a good player. It's just I go back to if your dad's such a great coach, why can't he teach you to shoot? Because if he had a shot with that ability, he plays defense, he rebounds, he's got that ability, that God-given ability to find the open man. But if he starts, if he keeps improving that jump shot, Lonzo Ball will be an all-star. I truly believe that. Yeah, Paul. Yeah, somebody said about the Lakers the other day, uh, I was listening to a couple of sports radio guys, and they're like, why aren't the Lakers more upset about getting blown out by the Celtics? And, and don't you think that it's cool right now that the Lakers are in a position where they're leading the West, that they lose a regular season game and everyone doesn't freak out and starts talking about firing people and trading everybody and dumping everybody like last year yeah. when they blew out the whole roster and got new coaches and all this stuff. Now it's like, okay, relax. But I can't imagine that pressure that those kids were under with LeBron coming in there. And then you knew that he wanted to have a fire sale to get it, Anthony Davis. So you knew this. And you still have to play with LeBron. And LeBron's not playing at a high level. And certainly not playing well on defense. And then LeBron probably said, well, I got rid of all these guys. AD's coming in. Now I got to get back in shape where I once was, and I got to play defense. And they become a very good defensive team. And Dwight Howard has done a wonderful job there, too. And JaVale McGee. You know, I got AD, I got Dwight and McGee. And, you know, that's pretty good. Rim protectors there. It's not a finished product there. And the more I watched the Clippers last night, if everybody's healthy, and you add that Clippers bench, I like the Clippers to be the best team in the NBA. Right now, Lakers are fun to watch, and everybody loves to talk about them in Los Angeles, but the Clippers, they got the best bench in the NBA right now. Uh, Denver, I think, has been sneaky great uh, because people don't look at them as the number one team in the West. But Denver is back to where they are, where they were last year. Yeah, Paul. LeBron's up to 11 assists a game leading the NBA. He's never had more than nine assists a game for an average first season in his career. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know what it's going to be like come playoff time or later in the year. Is he going to defer to Anthony Davis? Is Anthony Davis going to stay healthy? Because I, I know I get criticism in Wisconsin when I say this. Anthony Davis was the Greek freak before the Greek freak, in my opinion. 
both ends of the floor, could shoot, could handle. Uh, Greek Freak has surpassed him. Uh, feels like he's more explosive, healthier. But, you know, Anthony Davis was a freak out there from the standpoint of a guy that tall who had a handle and then improved his jump shot, and that's what the Greek Freak has done. And now it's impossible to guard him. All right, we'll take a break, close up shop, what we learn, what's in store tomorrow. That's coming up next here on the Dan Patrick Show. When it comes to comfort down below, there's underwear, and there's Tommy John, the revolutionary clothing brand that's redefined comfort for Americans everywhere, including me. To put it simply, Tommy John doesn't give an F. They give three Fs, fabric, fit, and function. See what he did there? Tommy John obsesses over every little detail and stitch by using proprietary fabrics that perform like nothing you've ever worn before. As a result, Tommy John's men's and women's underwear sport a non-wedgie guarantee. No wedgies, comfortable stay-put waistbands and a range of fabrics that are luxuriously soft, feather-light, moisture-wicking, breathable, and designed to move with you, not against you. No bunching, no riding up. If you prefer to shop in stores, you can find them in over 1,200 retail locations across the country. Give three apps about your underwear and upgrade with Tommy John today. Hurry to TommyJohn.com slash Patrick for 20% off your first order. That's TommyJohn.com slash Patrick for 20% off. TommyJohn.com slash Patrick. Once again, hurry to TommyJohn.com slash Patrick for 20% off your first order. TommyJohn.com slash Patrick. Hey, listeners, just wanted to take a minute to thank all our great sponsors and all of you great listeners for supporting this podcast. We certainly couldn't do it without either of you. And I wanted to remind you that you can support our sponsors by going to our show page at podcastone.com, clicking on the Support This Podcast button, and there you will see all our wonderful sponsors that help make this show possible. Thank you for downloading, subscribing, and, of course, supporting. And now, back to the show. Some Zion prop bets to go over here. Trying to think the fewest games a rookie has played and was still the rookie of the year. Because Zion, no rookie has ever won the award with fewer than 50 games played. The most that Zion can play is 38 games. Not that this matters, but Patrick Ewing. Patrick Ewing won the Rookie of the Year, and he played 50 games. Vince Carter played 50. I think those are – Vince Carter's was a strike-shortened season. And Kyrie played 51. That was a strike-shortened season as well. Yes, Paul? Yeah, Patrick Ewing, he was 22 years old. He averaged 29 and two blocks in his first year with the Knicks, 50 games. Hmm. Patrick Ewing. Yeah, so he played 50. All right, here's Zion prop bets for tonight. I just want to know over, under points. Do we have points in here, Paulie? I got dunks, first field goal, total rebounds. Oh, total over, under, nine and a half for Zion. Total minutes is 15 and a half. That seems low. Did they say something about limiting him to 15? I feel like that number, we've heard that number. Yeah. Reggie said that. Well, I would. I, I just want him to get a taste out there. Because what can happen is you get caught up in the excitement of Zion out there, and if he's playing well, and the team's playing well, and the fans are excited, they've been waiting for this, and then you bring him out, you're going to get booed. Alvin Gentry will get booed when he brings out, he takes out Zion Williamson. Over under nine and a half. Well, four dunks would be eight if I do my math right. <laughs> if he gets fouled on any of those dunks, mm. I'm going to go under. Hater. No, I, I I hope he gets 20. I When I say this to uh, Pelican fans, they're like, how can you say make that comparison? If 
He gives you Julius Randle numbers. You should be thrilled. Coming back from the injury, if you said he's going to have the numbers Julius Randle gave you last year, which was, what, 20 and 11? You'll take that. Because I don't know what you expect. You're going to get highlights out of Zion. I don't know. You're not going to get Blake Griffin numbers. And you probably think Zion is going to be far greater than Blake Griffin. You know, maybe he'll be healthier down the road than Blake Griffin, but Blake Griffin put up some monster numbers. Yeah, Paul. John Morant's up to 37 starts this year, 18.7 assists a game. He's the real deal. You know, that, that, that's no doubt about it. He's a, he's a franchise player. He is, when he jumps, like Zion dunks with power. John Morant goes up. It takes a little while for him to come back down. And he's not afraid to go in on anybody. Yes, McLeod. You look I think I'm higher on Zion than, than you guys. I expect I do expect more of the Blake Griffin. I think he's one of the most unique guys to come in since LeBron. Do you think look at Blake, Blake Griffin's numbers? Yeah, I mean I'm a Blake do Griffin. Do you think he's gonna be putting up Blake Griffin numbers in his career? Do you think he's gonna do what what did Blake put up? Blake, well, he, Blake's first year in the league, he didn't play because of a knee injury. Yeah. Very similar. He didn't play a minute. And then his first year at age 21, he was at 22 and 12. You'll take that. Yeah, he could put up that. I mean, Blake had became an assist three-point guy. I mean, he's hurt. He's out for the year now. Well, what, is he, what, what did he have? Did he get up to 25, 26 yeah, a game? Yeah, his best year was he was about 24 years old. He averaged 24 points, 10 rebounds a game. Yeah. Then he started yeah. becoming an outside shooter. The Pelicans run a high-volume offense. I think Zion will get... get Pretty good numbers once he's healthy. But you got Ingram in there. Yeah, I'll have to share it. Yeah. They still get a ton of they get a ton of shots up. So I think all yeah. those guys got big numbers. And I hope he's successful. You can't help but like him. I just think that people have to temper their their expectations with him. And how do you think he fits today's game? I was I was thinking he might have had more success twenty years ago too. Yes. I wonder, you know, let me see what that shot looks like. It it's a it's a nice shot. Is it going to be a knockdown shot? Is he is he going to be that 15 to 18-footer? Uh, it feels like everybody wants to shoot the three. I love that he gets as excited as – more excited when a teammate scores than when he does. He truly enjoyed his teammates doing well at Duke. And he's a good passer. But he's 6'6". That was what's surprising. But he's he's a lot wider than you think. Fritzy, what did you learn on today's program? Francis Schiller says Zion Williamson is a monster, a freak athlete, a cartoon character with a billion-dollar smile. All right. McLovin, what did you learn? Jeff Duncan says that Taysom Hill could be the Steve Young to Drew Brees and Joe Montana. <laughs> I was shocked at that, by the way. Seton O'Connor, what did you learn? You're not allowed to slam guys on their head in wrestling. You're not Didn't supposed know that. to. Didn't know that. And if you do, then Dad's coming in uh, out of the stands. Paulie, what did you learn? At Pebble Beach last year, I met a guy who was wearing a shirt, and I remember him very, very well. <laughs> The one guy wearing a shirt. How was that guy wearing the shirt? I don't know if you remember. That was me. That's me. That was me. (laughs) Princey, what did I learn? Larry Walker, the B-side to the old 45 record compared to Derek Jeter being side A. What we learned brought to you by LegalZoom. Make 2020 a year you will remember for the right reasons. Use LegalZoom to uh, help you out. Go to LegalZoom.com today. Enter the promo code Patrick in the box at checkout for special savings. It's LegalZoom.com, promo code Patrick. LegalZoom, where life makes legal. Talk to you tomorrow. As promised, here's a clip from the big podcast with Shaq. I've never seen it this early, though. That's what I'm it's, saying. That's the I difference. Mean, it's like the first couple weeks I've never of the seen season. This so I, it's, it's, there's two takes on that. One, 
You think you're so good that you can let guys sit out. You don't care about your position in the playoffs. You're going to win no matter what. It's a it's a really tough gamble. A really tough gamble. I've I did it, so I'm not going to criticize him. Especially when I got older, when guys said take a special. Matter of fact, when Phil got there, Phil would look at the standings, and I don't know how he did it. He kept us away from Utah, and he kept us away from, uh, I want to say, the Rockets all the time. He just kept us away. So he would come and say, all right, take these two games off. And I'd be like, good. And he'd be like, but you need to ride the bike. Like, he would just know. And, you know, his thing was we needed some type of home court advantage, preferably the number one spot. But it's been going on for years, so you know it's a gamble. Uh, I, I feel I feel for the fans when you pay your money to see a certain guy play and he doesn't play. That's mine. I I do feel for that, but this is chess, not checkers. You want a championship, or you want a guy to to come play a game and possibly get hurt? I know it's not something you're to think about, but it can't happen. I can't knock it because I've done it. I just I just know it's a gamble, and I feel both sides.